Hey listeners, it's Paul Andriola here. Why not join our community at Small Cap Discoveries where we offer our members direct access to some of the best microcap investment opportunities available. Our members are getting access to premium microcap financings, research reports, and direct access to management. Sign up today at www.smallcapdiscoveries.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Small Cap Discoveries conference call. Today on our call, we have the CEO, Alex Baluda from Flow Capital back for an update. Flow Capital trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol FW. Company is currently trading at 49 cents with roughly 31 million shares outstanding or about a $15 million market cap. I'd now like to hand it over to Paul Andreola. Uh, thanks a lot, Trev. Um, yeah, it's always good to sort of uh, get back in contact with some of the, the groups that we've uh, chatted with in the past. Um, uh, Alex, I think it was October of last year that we last talked. Um, you're, you're a student and an animal in the market here, like we are. Uh, we've seen quite the markets uh, the last couple months here, and uh, I think it's a very opportune time to get back to talk yeah. to you, uh, find out how Flow is doing, um, you know, find out what you guys are seeing out there in the market. But before we jump into that, why don't we just remind everybody what Flow Capital is all about? Sure. Uh, thank you, Paul. Thank you, Trevor. Uh, I'm going to share my screen here in a second. You know, it's interesting you mentioned these, these dangerous, difficult markets. Mm -hmm. On a relative basis across almost every single asset class that I track, we are the best performer. And, and I, I know it sounds silly, but our stock hasn't moved. It should go higher, but it hasn't gone down. You know, I look at the large cap techs. One of the best performing large cap techs is Apple, and it's down 30. The rest of the sector is probably down on average 55, and, and some of these really, really good companies are down 80. Um, and so it is, and it seems to be, you know, I've dabbled in some small cap mining stories and other things. I've got a, just as a background, I've got a history about, uh, you know, as a top-ranked uh, Wall Street analyst, uh, did it in Bay Street, covered tech, uh, uh, you know, was always listening to the mining guys about what some of their stories were or other tech stories. And so I've got a history of small cap investing. And it just seems like across the board, every sector is down, including crypto, which you'd figure in, in an environment of uh, inflation might be the one place you can hide. So I, 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 it's, you know, we're doing our best to get the word out there, but to be honest, I'm proud of the performance of our stock. And frankly, it's because we've had a pretty phenomenal run uh, over the last, since we've been here seven months ago, and there's, and there's more to come. So let me do exactly as you suggested. I'm going to share my screen. Can you see my screen? We sure can. Okay. I'll go through a, a, a kind of an abridged overview of what we do. And I have a slide towards the end that just says, here's some of the highlights. Frankly, mostly our press releases from the last seven months. But each one of them highlights sort of a core part of our strategy, and it's worth pointing out. So we lend money. We're an alternate capital provider. We lend money to high growth tech, primarily tech companies. Um, and so they'll use our capital to help extend existing runways so that they can postpone a dilutive equity round. Um, and if you're a company growing at 30 or 40%, your equity value is growing at least at that amount. And you might be seeing multiple expansion, notwithstanding the current market that we just discussed. But if you're a high growth company, uh, the cost of your equity is, is in the mid to high double digits. Uh, the cost of our capital is in the mid to low uh, double digits, not even mid to low, I should say low double digits. Um, and so our, as long as the nominal cost of our capital, call it 15, 16 percent, 
is lower than the not your nominal growth rate. So if you're growing faster than the cost of our capital, if you're growing at 22% and our cost is 15, you should always take my money uh, from a comparison of the cost of our capital versus the cost of equity. And we're a lender, so we sit at the top of the stack. Uh, but let me go through very quickly some of the highlights, the obligatory. This is disclaimer slide. The numbers I'm giving you are from Q4, which we reported. It was a really good year. Um, Q1 is coming out shortly, uh, but everything in here is publicly digestible and fully disclosed. So we're a lender. We've deployed over $125 million now since, uh, since we started, over 60 deals. 18 are currently active. And what's unique about us, you've had some of our comparable companies on, like Tamaya, for example. What we do is we take warrant positions in almost every one of our deals. In fact, since I've been here for over three and a half years, every one of our investments we've gotten a version of a warrant, either a warrant or a bonus on exit type structure with every one of our deals. And so what that means is we're not just a yield play, we're a yield senior secured top of stack with equity upside play. And that's actually something that not a lot of people can say. Um, amazing board, always worth pointing out. Uh, Catherine, lead independent director on Kinross, Alan Torrey, um, you know, took Morno Chappelle, Chappelle from 100 million to 2 billion. He's a, on the, he's a board of extended care. Uh, Michael Zitch was the global head of fixed income at Scotiabank. Uh, Vernon, Vernon Lobo um, has his own family office, two times successful venture capitalist. These are individuals who are on our board. Uh, they're way overpowered, relatively speaking, to our market cap, but they're here because they believe in our opportunity and the future uh, and what we're trying to build here. Um, and so what we do is we lend money to high growth companies, as I said earlier. Um, and what we give you, the investors, is access to a diversified portfolio of sometimes smaller but high growth companies. So you don't have to take one off risk. You invest with us and we give you that diversified portfolio through primarily a debt structure with equity upside. Parameters, I won't spend a lot of time on this, but these are revenue generating companies, no startups, no early stage companies. We don't do real estate, we don't do resources. We do almost exclusively tech, not not pri primarily tech, sort of over 80% of our portfolio is tech and they're all revenue generating. And of that, uh, over 65% of our portfolio is SaaS, software as a service, i.e. recurring revenue. Just a quick snapshot of our portfolio. You can see that on our website. So we lend money. Our business model is we generate cash revenue or royalty income uh, from high growth companies. Now we play in a segment called venture debt or growth debt, over $20 billion a year in originations. In fact, one of the largest players now in the space is CIBC Innovation Banking. They bought uh, Wellington Financial, which did the same thing we do. And they've grown that into billions and billions and billions of dollars of tech-based investment per year. Over 40% of venture deals take a, type of, uh, take a sliver of venture uh, debt alongside and so we fill that gap between banks, which are, which are not good at investing in high growth, low asset companies and dilutive equity financing, either through the capital markets or through venture capitalists themselves. We see over a thousand deals per year. And in every one of our deals, we're senior secured. Very, very rarely are we in a second position. Uh, so we're senior secured debt. And, and this is important. A lot of your investors, our investors will understand uh, real estate. They invest in mix or elsewhere. You'll talk about loan-to-value of 50, 60, 80%. The loan-to-value, the representation of our loan relative to the total equity value of the company is generally in the, in the single digits, 4, 5, 
uh, rarely over 10%, and we won't go above 20. I haven't done that for a long time. So that gives you a lot of protection in equity, even in challenging markets like you're seeing today. Um, and then the key point is we participate in equity upside through warrants, and I'll focus on that a, a little bit more in the presentation. And look, very quickly, we love growth companies. You get downside protection because of the loan to value I just talked about. Lots of exit alternatives. All these high growth companies have a lot of exit alternatives and we get Warren upside. So we're publicly traded, proven model, proven team. In 2021, we did 6 million in revenue, over 3 million in adjusted FDA and over a million and a half in free cash flow. So we are generating returns for our shareholders. We have, we have, we're trading at below tangible book uh, and we're generating positive free cash flow. That's a hard mix. You don't often see that. And so for every incremental dollar we invest, our ROE is approaching 40%. It's well over 30. So if I invest a dollar, I'm making uh, a significant return every year. Um, we, we have 23 million in equity attributable to common shareholders. It's now 25. That's been disclosed in a press release. We had a fantastic exit, which I'll talk about in a minute. And that added over $2 million in aggregate to our balance sheet equity. And importantly, we're aligned with you, our shareholders. On a fully diluted basis, we own 26% of the common equity of the company. That includes the board and management and employees. So just very quickly, this is a snapshot of our revenue. The white is our quarterly revenue. You'll see a dip here and you might say, well, why did revenue go from 1.6 to 1.2? And that's because between Q2 and Q3, we had five exits last year, five successful repayments. Obviously, if we're not deployed, we're not earning interest income. Then by Q4, we redeployed almost all that capital and then some. The dark line shows you EBITDA and the light green line shows you uh, recurring cash flow. So we have a long track record of, of stability in terms of our performance and free cash flow. And we're, we ourselves are in growth mode now. Won't talk about the financials. Here's the slide um, that I think you wanted me to get to. What is the update since our last pitch to you? So in November, we invested a million and a half in a company called Covo Healthcare, uh, Health Tech Solutions. Uh, following that, we did a, a US $2 million investment in a company called AskVet. Uh, that company, if you have a pet, if any of you have a pet, a dog primarily, you will very likely have bought your dog what's called a Kong, K-O-N-G, a Kong toy, a dog toy. It's one of the largest dog toy companies in the world. That company, uh, which is a very large company has made a strategic investment in AskVet post our investment, uh, which you'll see in a lot of our deals where there'll be an equity co-invest uh, or uh, over here, Everwash secured a $6 million Series B follow-on equity investment at $100 million pre after we had put our money into that transaction. Um, so you'll see that a lot. Is it we're, we're not in there naked or alone. We're often seeing either we demand equity co-invest or the companies continue to go on and invest equity and we get to stay on invested. Um, so Everwash acquired a technology company called Omniax. That was great news. Minilux, one of our investments went public on the TSX. You know, that company, I don't know what the valuation is now, but it had over $150 million market cap, over 20 million in cash. We're the only debt on the balance sheet at two and a half million dollars. Very strong, I would argue, secured position. Um, we put an additional one and a half million dollars into Jorsex. So we'll often do that. We'll tranche investments. We'll, we'll, I'll have a slide I'll show you where we put in a million, watch them perform, put in another two million, watch them perform, put in another three million. So we just did that in Echobox, uh, one of our longest and most successful deals. We're now into it for $6 million US 
when we first put in money, they were doing 2 million, 2.5 million revenue. Now they're doing over 8 million in annual recurring software revenue. And we get the opportunity to continue investing that entity in a senior secured debt structure. Um, our financial numbers for 2021 were great. Um, book value of 75 cents per share, a year over year growth of 33.7% in our book value. Over nine quarters, that's up 60%, almost a double. Um, well, we, we just had another 9% gain, which I'll talk about in a second. Uh, that's this announcement down here. Post the end of last year, uh, we had a company called Performio that, let me explain this one. We put in $3 million US in a senior note in June of 2021. Company valued its equity at the time uh, at about $25, $26 million. They continue to perform phenomenally well. They did an equity investment that represented a change of control, which triggered our, what we, in this case, we had a buyout provision, a success on exit provision. We put in $3 million. After repayment of that principal in less than a year, we had a net aggregate $2.1 million gain, all in the span of 10 months. That represented, that buyout represented a 9% gain in book value per share for our shareholders. Put that into perspective, I had more gains in book value on that exit than some of my competitors have attributable to common shareholders in aggregate. And I had that on one exit. So um, we had a great year. We were up over 60%, nine quarters in book value. It's now even higher with the exit of Performio. Um, and the rest of our metrics uh, have been growing. And so, you know, Paul, I came here last year we talked about our strategy. We talked about investing in high growth companies. And I think that, you know, investors are like, okay, show me. First, I've heard the deal. Um, yeah, you're profitable. You got a great board. You're performing. And, you know, here we are having these kind of years and having these kind of exits. And frankly, I'm very proud of myself and the team for putting together these kind of numbers. Um, and so that's where I'll just do a quick summary slide and then maybe hand it back to you, Paul. Uh, look, we're public. High uh, threshold of disclosures, you might imagine. Um, I mentioned our strong board, mentioned our ownership, mentioned our revenue and, and free cash flow capabilities, strong return on equity, strong growth in book value in a very, very big space. And we're a tiny, tiny player in a big space, which is where I want to be. Um, and we're poised to continue to grow. Uh, as we deploy more capital, you're going to see us become a growth story. Uh, both in terms of our free cash flow generation uh, and then importantly in that equity participation um, that we get through every one of our investments today. So let me pause there, Paul, and hand it back to you. You got it. Perfect. Um, great. Thanks, Alex. Um, I want to remind everybody that's listening, if you've got any questions you want me to ask Alex, please just use the chat function um, and I'll do my best to, to ask the question. Um, uh, look, I mean, congratulations on a great year. I mean, this uh, certainly, uh, you know, the last sort of six months haven't been uh, a treat uh, for the equity markets. And uh, I think we can go back to about a year and a half uh, to the top of the market. So anybody who's performing like this, I think, uh, is certainly doing something right in the space. Um, what, uh, you know, let's now look forward a little bit. I mean, what, what sort of capital do you have access to now to, to continue to do business? And then let's talk a little bit about what the pipeline kind of looks like in this environment. Sure. Um, capital, uh, because of the Performio buyout and a couple of other initiatives that we have underway, we have, um, I'm going to say roughly about $10 million Canadian right now to deploy um, or will soon have. 
uh, I think we have uh, six or so million Canadian, not including the reserves and everything else. So that's free cash available for investment. So uh, just with available cash or soon to be available cash in the balance sheet, we, we have the capacity to do another two, four million dollar US investments or, or, or two, five million dollar Canadian investments, which, you know, at 15% interest generates one and a half million dollars Canadian interest per year. And given that we're already profitable, uh, all that will flow to the bottom line. Um, you know, in terms of uh, the pipeline, I have another slide in here. Let me get to it quickly. Um, these are our numbers, our pipeline numbers for 2021. We, to be honest, we spent a lot of time since I got here almost four years ago now, focusing on what I call our superpower, which is deal origination. Um, due diligence, all those things, those are important. But what's really important is seeing the best quality deals and the most of them that you can possibly see. And that's hard. Um, so in 2020, we did 861 deals or leads, closed on three of them. So very low close rate. 2021, we saw almost a thousand deals closed on six new and two extensions. So eight deals altogether, still below 1% close rate. Uh, I, I personally, that tells you how picky we are in terms of the types of deals that we want to do. Um, and that's kind of a number that we're trending at for this year. We're trying to grow the top of the funnel. Um, so the simple, if I have, um, I'd rather invest in 9.9s out of 10 than 9.6 or 8.9s out of 10. And that's a function of just having choice. And so it's about building our, our lead referral networks. That's a big one. Where do we, you know, the VCs that we talk to, the lawyers that we talk to, the investment bankers that we talk to. Um, and we've done a lot of work in the last couple of years on paid, paid digital advertising and digital marketing and building up our brand and building up our content and trying to target those entrepreneurs. Um, and we've done a good job. So uh, we have a lot of deals in our pipeline. Uh, I will be at some point in the near future capital constrained, um, still profitable, but I, uh, we're working on a lot of initiatives, as you might imagine, to try and grow our capital base uh, non-dilutively in the current market. Um, and I think we'll be successful over the next couple of quarters at, you know, having more visibility to accessible capital to continue to grow our business. Mm -hmm. Now, um, you know, like, like, like we talked about the equity markets have, uh, been riled up uh, for a bit in the last little while. Um, so, uh, you know, traditional equity is a little bit harder to come by. What does that do for your, you guys? I mean, it, it must increase your, you know, your, the number of opportunities you're looking at and sort of to some degree make you considerably more competitive than, uh, than equity. Yeah, value. absolutely, Paul. That's exactly right. When we, in fact, this week, we started focusing on two things. One, let's reach out to a lot of the investment bankers in Canada and the U.S. and look for deals and relationships that they have that need capital that we can fill that gap because they can't raise equity today. The other thing that we that you'll see a lot of is there's a lot of stories now about how VCs are battening down the hatches. Um, they're going to all of their portfolio companies and saying, uh, well, one, we're gonna, we're gonna cull the herd and focus on our best. And by best, we mean the ones that are most judicious use of, of capital. So it's no longer growth at all costs in the VC world, it's about okay, pretend you're not going to get money for the next two years. You need to cut your costs and right-size your business to make sure that the capital that you have helps you grow through this uncertain funding window. Now, it's cyclical. We've been here before, but in both the scenarios I just described, closed capital markets and closed venture markets, that represents a great opportunity for us to see deals. 
Now it's incumbent upon us to make sure that we're picking the right deals, but that's why we have a 1% close rate, right? We see a lot of deals. We wanna make sure that companies that have sustainable competitive advantage. One of the slides, the other slides I have is how much effort we put into due diligence. I mean, we'll take anywhere from six weeks to three months to close a deal. You know, management often comes to me and says, okay, how quickly can we close the deal? And my response is, how ready are you? You know, do you have your financials? Do you have your audits? Do you have all the information that we look for and the metrics and the analysis and the customer calls? And do you have, if you have it ready, we can close relatively quickly. And that means six to eight weeks. If you're not ready, we'll be demanding information and you'll be preparing it and getting it ready. And it's a three month process. So this isn't the way we invest. It's not about you're a pitch, put $3 million US to work. This is about really doing, and if you look at the background of, the, of both the board members and most of the management partners, uh, uh, team members, we ask equity risk questions to understand uh, the equity viability of the company because if the equity takes care of itself, we're for sure going to be taken care of as that senior secured uh, piece in the capital stack. Mm -hmm. So bad markets, closed financial markets, to answer your question in a, sorry, in a roundabout way, is generally very good for us. Um, and the, the, you know, the responsibility, our responsibility is, as it always is, to make good investment decisions. Mm -hmm. now, now, Alex, we're, we're now starting to live in an environment of, of rising interest rates. How does that affect your business? How does that affect your sort of competitiveness um, with, with your capital? Yeah, it's a great question. So our current sources of capital are not floating, they're fixed, which is good. So we don't mm -hmm. have any risk on that side. We expect that over time, as we move to uh, more senior strategic partners helping us grow our business, there will be a component of floating uh, fees in there. It's not up to me to, to you know, we're not, I'm never going to guess where interest rates are going or aren't going. And so what we do is we, we try to cap that as best we can within a range. So for floating, for example. Um, and then on our side, we're adding, uh, although in many of our portfolios, the durations aren't that long, many of our investments. We're changing our structure a little bit um, to include a floating component above uh, what used to be, let's say, above LIBOR three. You know, LIBOR is not in use anymore, but uh, you know, above LIBOR three will float with the market. Uh, it'll provide us a little bit of protection uh, against drastic moves in funding. Um, but uh, so, so to answer that question, one, we have a relatively short duration on the remaining portfolio, and our sources are not. Uh, floating right now, so I don't think we have any risk. Two, we're in our future deals building in a component of variability um, to provide us some protection above a hurdle rate. And I think the negotiation points there are what's that hurdle rate? Mm. But we, um, we yeah. you know, we've 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 seen it. We're taking it. Uh, uh, you know, we're we're paying attention to it, and we're adjusting appropriately. Mm. Um, now you're you're. You're a tech expert. I mean, that's that's where you really cut your teeth um, as an analyst. When you're looking at the markets right now, and you're seeing kind of you know the the downfall of some of the big tech names and, and things like that, what do you see that's working? Like, what what part of this, the the space, if any, is working? And then, ideally, what what companies that you guys are invested in are you the most excited about? That is a really good question. Look, I I remember and you asked that same question the last time. I'm a fundamental believer, believer that tech is, you know, we're witnessing, we are living through a unique transitional event in our, the fundamental nature of our economies. 
towards technology solutions in all aspects. Um, through COVID, which was an interesting kind of a kickstart to what's happening, um, maybe not a kickstart, but a case study, the portfolio, the revenues of our portfolio companies grew by over 55%. In other words, the revenue growth accelerated. Now that was over, you know, almost two years ago now when that started. Um, but that trend towards technology solutions to solve everyday problems is bigger than an inflationary cycle, is bigger than a recessionary cycle. It is, it's a, I really do believe it, you know, kind of the, it's been going on. You can peg it from internet 1.0, you can peg it from, if you remember Y2K, and it's continued on since then. And it's, it's, I mean, ironic, nobody had, the iPhone didn't exist 10 years ago, mm-hmm. maybe 11, I can't remember the exact number, but I mean, think of the change that we've seen just in that relatively short period of time, and that's going to continue. So we're, and I kind of hate using the, the, the terms, but we're kind of riding the long-term wave mm-hmm. of technology's infiltration into the world, into our economies, into our digital lives, into our home lives. And I just don't see that ever stopping. So you asked, which companies do I love? Well, we did an investment in a company called um, Everwash. Everwash is a software platform that does, uh, enables subscriptions for car washes. There are the largest player to date in terms of owning assets and sort of a, a, a growth play in car washes uh, is a company called Mr. Car Wash. Went public last year at about six or seven billion, a little down, but it's got about 300, 400 car washes. 72% of their customers are on a subscription plan. That's 400 units, i.e. car washes. There is 67,000 units in North America in terms of car wash locations. And Everwash is the platform solution for all the rest of that. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but most of them. Uh, they've got hundreds of units, millions of subscribers, uh, and they sell subscriptions to car washes. And as a car wash, um, if you can start seeing visibility into 10, 15, 20% of your revenue, rain or shine, that gives you a lot of a lot more comfort in your business model. Uh, and they charge a relatively modest amount against the car washes. And so that's a technology solution that they help car washes get members and they help see visibility for car washes and they get massive growth potential. Great company, kind of leading the space, still relatively small, almost 80 million in aggregate revenue and net revenue, which is what we care about, not just flow through revenue. Mm-hmm. It's approaching 10 million. We've got 6 million invested. They just did uh, uh, an equity round for another 6 million in equity at $100 million free. And our warrants in that company are, are now have a strike price of 80 million. Kind of that's that's what I like to do. Those are the kind of deals we look for, um, and they're out there. It just that's why we work on pipeline development um, uh, and funnel. And then, Paul, when these guys exit, my warrant position represents on average about one and a half to two percent of all of the companies that we invest in. So they're five year, six year term, sometimes ten. Um, so imagine a couple of years down the road, we're right. Uh, Everwash is really successful and it's a billion dollar exit. Well, there's a fairly meaningful return for our shareholders that's attributable to book value. Uh, and, you know, let me, let me just give you a quick idea of our, this is our portfolio as of Q4, you know, $36 million invested, generating over $6 million in revenue. Here's our equity and warrant position. I'm not giving you the exact names, just because it's, you know who they are. I'm just gonna not, not gonna identify each one of them, but 
you know, we have $2.2 million in warrants. And again, this is audited by, or reviewed by us, reviewed by our auditor, and a third-party auditor every year goes through basically three sets of eyes on the valuations. And, and, and we really, it's got to be a big hurdle achieved for us to move them up. Um, and this was the exit, the compensation management co software company that we just exited. We had, instead of warrants, we had this 1.5% exit fee on exit. It just happened to ha had happened very quickly, but those are the types of gains that these warrant positions represent. And as we get to 20 and 30 and 40 live investments, you know, we'll have cycled, look at it this way. Every time we invest a, a million dollars, we're in warrants to the tune of somewhere between 200 and $400,000 worth of warrants. Mm -hmm. And we recycle that million dollars now one of the things, the additional things that we're doing in this higher inflationary environment is shortening our term. So from four years to three years down to two years so that we don't have as much exposure later on. But we recycle, every time we recycle, we earn $200,000, $250,000 worth of warrants in every one of our companies for every million dollars I invest, every 30 months, let's say on average. That's gonna build a really big warrant portfolio and not all of them are gonna work. Some of them, like you see here, are gonna be zeros, maybe for the time being or maybe forever. But a meaningful number of these warrants are going to hit. And if we have uh, even reasonable returns like we just had, uh, we're going to have long-term equity appreciation over and above the profitability of our company. Um, Alex, um, what, what challenges does the business face? Deal flow. Two things mm -hmm. right now is deal flow and sourcing of capital. So we have capital now, right now, but uh, for me, it's always a long-term vision. I'm looking for a strategic funding partner. Mm -hmm. uh, we ourselves, uh, you know, we, we feel the pain of the equity markets. I, uh, uh, although our stock is relatively outperformed, it's still below book value, so we would never raise equity here. Um, mm -hmm. But it would be, you know, continue to see great deal flow. Um, and then, you know, find that strategic partner who's going to help us go from $40 million in assets to $240 million in assets. Mm -hmm. And we can do that without really dramatically increasing our costs. We're already profitable, and what you'll see is a significant improvement, even over above the great return on equity we're having now, as we scale our business. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're, I feel, at an inflection point where we're not diversifying. We're not going out and buying specialty finance companies here and there. We're focused, laser focused, on funding high growth companies, primarily tech, and we're going to stay focused on that with our with our core structures. And we're gonna we're just gonna grow our asset base. It's a twenty billion dollar market, and we're you know less than a fraction of one percent of that today. Mm -hmm. um, listen, thinking thinking longer term, like companies like yourselves, um, I mean, you tend to trade at a discounted net asset value. But longer term, investors that aren't really um, experienced with these type of businesses, how do you see? How do you sort of recapture that discount? Is there is there any tools that you guys have over the long term? That, that capture 100% of the value? Um, yeah, I think that, um, I think you're, look, I, everybody, especially in this environment, it's a challenge. Mm. I think what we're long-term believers in is, well, first of all, management and employees are fully aligned with, with our shareholders. Mm. So my long-term, not only do I own equity, but my long-term compensation plan, I may have mentioned this last time, but my hurdles are based on share price of $1, $2, $3, Mm -hmm. Free cash flow of two dollars, two million, five million, eight million, and that'll be you know, we'll, we'll raise. So, 
I need to generate positive free cash flow against my net tangible book. And I think that when I'm putting down hypothetically 10 or 15 cents of free cash flow, I think shareholders are going to recognize that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then down the road, we can pay a dividend. We can figure out ways to get your money back into shareholders' pockets. I personally like to reinvest my capital because I can generate better returns mm-hmm. for shareholders by when I get a dollar back, by putting that dollar out, making more warrants, mm-hmm. etc. cetera. Um, mm-hmm. But as we grow, we will consider all options to improve shareholder value. If that means share buybacks, we'll do that. If that means um, uh, uh, dividend paying on commons, we'll do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we're believers that if we keep executing as we have, keep generating that free cash flow, uh, that, that we will be generating more free cash flow per share than some of the leading operating companies out there. Uh, and we believe that shareholders will take advantage. We'll, we'll recognize that. I, I, it's a hard answer, but that's, that's how yeah. we believe. And we've aligned ourselves from our financial, from our, our returns as shareholders yeah. in that vision. And I got I got to mention I mean, this is me thinking out loud a little bit, but um, you know you, you're sort of managing a thirty percent plus type of return. At some point, if the stock gets discounted more than that, it's it might make more sense to buy back the stock than it is to to use that capital. So there's sort of a uh, a floor, if anything, on yeah. on kind of uh, where the where the stock should be. So that's a great we, point, Paul. Yeah. If I could just give you a number, we yeah. had a couple of years ago we had forty four million shares outstanding. We're down to thirty one. Okay, wow. That's yeah. us buying our buying as as one of my as my chairman likes to say, we're buying dollars for fifty cents. Yeah, and that value is yeah. accruing to our shareholders. No, we yeah. can't do that forever. But yeah. when when there's a significant discount, I'll do that all day because I know the quality of our portfolio and that yeah. will be accretive to shareholders. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, that's one thing that I say to a lot of our members is that you, you want to be investing in businesses that at least have that backstop, right? The ability to buy back the stock if it's cheap. And that only comes from generating cash, right? You've got to, you've got to have cash and generate cash to, to be able to do that. So there, there's, there's, especially in this environment, there's, there's very little uh, financing risk when you're sitting on a lot of cash and you're making money. Um, that's right. Right. So, that's right. so good for you guys. Um, Okay, well, listen. Um, I mean, this is this is a pretty, as far as I'm concerned, pretty easy story to tell. You guys are doing a great job in, in, in generating returns. You guys have a lot of deal flow right now, probably more than you've you've seen in a long time because of the environment. Um, you're you're collecting interest. Uh, you're sort of getting paid while you wait for some of your your equity uh, upside. Um, it's a pretty, you know, a, a few things that people are kind of looking for in this environment. Yeah. Um, so good for you guys, but any, like as investors standing on the sidelines here watching, um, what, what should we, what should we really be paying attention to, whether that's a catalyst or certain metrics that, that, that we can see that, that are telling us that you're continuing to grow the business in the right direction. Yeah. So, uh, look, we, we did another one. So we had the 9% gain in book value from the exit of Performio. As I mentioned, that was a $2.1 million gain in less than a year. Uh, we had another buyout of a, of a small royalty. That was about a $300,000-ish dollar gain. That was a, a very old royalty that bought out. So, so you'll see, so if you think about it, we've only started taking warrants in the last two, three years. And those, many of those warrants still have uh, a five, six-year life. But eventually, I'm going to have a warrant portfolio that's large enough that I'll start seeing regular cadence of exits in those warrants. That's the objective, maybe mm-hmm. quarterly one exit, maybe, maybe once every half year, but those will be catalysts that'll be completely unforecastable. 
You just know that over time, as I have a big enough portfolio, if we're doing our job, we'll have those. So we'll have a million dollar gain, equity gain there. We'll have a $3 million equity gain here. Um, and so those are catalysts that as much as I'd love to say, you know, a regular cadence, I can't promise that, but I can tell you that as we get enough of them, we'll start getting a somewhat more regular cadence. The other thing is just, you know, we're laser focused on generating free cash flow. Um, and so if I'm do, you know, notwithstanding quarterly variations, like I showed you here, uh, we, were, we, were, we had five exits all at the same time. Well, of course my revenue is gonna come down because I had a balance sheet full of cash and I had to redeploy that capital. But as soon as I did, my revenues go back up. So, so there's some variation on a quarterly basis, but the longer term trend should be, um, you know, as capital comes in, if we're building up our pipeline and we have the sources, we should be redeploying. Um, and I wanna be in a position where I'm always just a little bit short of capital mm -hmm. so that I'm always fully deployed. Yeah. Well, and, and I'll tell you, one of the things we didn't do and haven't done we repaid in the last three years, uh, I believe 21, $22 million in traditional debentures. Never missed a payment, all, you know, paid them all back. And I don't like debentures because when I get a big whack of cash, I have a bunch of it sitting there not working right. for me. Right. Then I have to redeploy it. And then I, at the end of the deployment period, I have to hoard it in order to pay mm -hmm. back the debenture. So at either end, I'm not making a return on a bunch of capital right. sitting on my balance sheet. That's just a dumb way to run your business. Yeah. Now, I may have to do that or make it stagger them. And there's, you look at some of the larger players, BDCs, for example, in the US, not BDC Canada, but the Business Development Corp in the US, they've got staggered maturities and we'll right. get there over time. Um, but there's a lot of things that I can do, but I'm just focused on growing our revenue, growing our portfolio. One of the things we do comes from another friend of mine in the business, we target zero zeros target zero defaults um, as best we can. Now, the losses we'll make will be more than made up by the gains in our equity positions, but it's so much easier to run this business when things are going smoothly. And so we target zero zeros, we target growth, we target free cash flow. And I think that the market will eventually recognize it. I need to get out there more, tell the story more. Um, but as you said, the story is relatively simple. Find good companies, grow with them, get bought out, recycle, hold that warrant position, do it again. And, and like, again, you're, you're, you're studying the markets like, like all of us are. What, um, where do you think we are in these markets? Um, especially because you get a, a, a little bit more leaning towards technology. Um, the, the capital markets, are, are, are we going lower? Are we going higher? Are we staying still? You know, are, is small better than big? Is big better is than small? Like everybody, I'll I'll take a bit of I'll punt on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. What's what's issue. your best guess? Yeah. yeah. So so we saw we saw a chart one of my team members shared the other day that that price to revenue valuations on forward twelve month revenues had reached like fifty five zero, not one five, which itself is high, but five zero on some of the software uh, uh, plays out there, and they've since recovered to about eight point eight times, and actually that sounds high obviously a lot better than it was, but yeah. it's actually not that bad for high growth companies. Mm -hmm. Maybe it can come down a little bit more and into the sevens. Um, so I think a lot of the correction, it's another reason I'm glad I'm not in equity. And I don't mean broadly in equity, like capital markets, public markets, but just broadly, I'm glad I'm not an equity investor. Mm -hmm. What's fundamentally the difference between us and venture capitalists is a venture capitalist will have 20 or 30% of his portfolio pay for the other 70 that didn't mm -hmm. work. We don't do that. 
100% of our portfolio has to pay for itself. And then we have some additional upside in the warrants to protect us. But I think that the valuation correction that, you know, when you go from 50 to eight, that's a pretty meaningful correction in a very short period of time. I, I, so I think most of the pain has been felt. Mm-hmm. If I put my analyst hat on from 20 years ago, you know, I would look for those companies now that have a real differentiable, maybe that's not a word, differentiation in their value proposition to their customers, mm-hmm. uh, recurring revenue. So for example, Netflix, uh, I still love Netflix. Mm-hmm. You know, as a user, I haven't looked at the financials um, and maybe it's overdone. Whereas, you know, on something like Tesla, again, just use a big name, is it really worth the equivalent of 10 other car makers in aggregate? Maybe. It's a hard one. Um, and I, so I don't play that game. I just look at, is this a great company, great co- group of management, really has a defensible marketplace? I, I, the other thing we look for, and, and I think this works for investors as well, consistency in the way they present their numbers. So if you're gonna tell me, I'm gonna grow my business by 10 million next year, and I ask you just some very high level questions about the number of salespeople you have, your on-target earnings, and how often your salespeople hit those earnings, and your numbers on the numbers of salespeople comes out to 6 million at fully on target, but you're focusing on 10, you're not gonna make it. So as an analyst, I look for those kind of consistencies in does it make even rule of thumb sense? Now, I recognize some investors don't have the luxury of doing that. Um, uh, but those are the things that I look for is good management, defendable marketplace, reasonable valuation, even if it's high. Mm-hmm. Anytime's revenue is still high, but are they growing at 44%, 82%? Well, those companies grow into their valuation very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, listen, we're sort of at the end here. And um, is, there, is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have? Or is there any key message you want everybody to walk away with today? No, first of all, I really appreciate you, the, what you do, the service you provide. There's, we need more voices in the small cap wilderness. So thank you for that. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity. And I would say to the potential investors, just look, we'll, we'll, we'll keep delivering the way we're delivering and hopefully we can have you board on board as shareholders because uh, you know, we're all about generating shareholder value. So I appreciate the opportunity and maybe we can touch base again in six months. Well, absolutely. We look forward to that. Um, listen, congratulations on a great, uh, well, six, seven months since we last spoke and uh, definitely we look forward to catching up with you uh, sort of in, in the next six months. Um, so we've been speaking with Alex Baluda, CEO of Flow Capital. Uh, symbol is FW on the Venture Exchange. Um, thanks for joining us today. Uh, it was a pleasure and uh, always fun to catch up. So looking forward to the next time. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Trevor. And thank you, everybody else. Cheers.